This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Start. Okay, welcome to Journey of Midos number 16. Tonight's Mida is... Shtika. Shtika. What is Shtika? So Shtika is, is quietness. Now, like any other Mida that we've done, uh, we always say that it's like, you know, if I would say to you, give me a class on quietness, you'd be like, uh, I don't know, be quiet. Or like, you know, something to do with speech, obviously. So the, the concept of Shtika, of... I'll use the word quietness, or really being um, aware of what the mida of speech is, is a very unique mida, just like everything else that we've spoken about. Like, we always come through, like, the side door, like, and how we understand it. This is not going to be any different. I want to share with you, basically, four concepts related to speech tonight. That's going to be our mida tonight. Four concepts related to speech. The first three, you probably heard of before. The fourth one, you probably didn't. That's all I'm going to say, okay? So, let's go through this four pieces of speech. So, what essentially is speech? So, there's a, a, a piece in um, Mishle, a Pasuk in Mishle, that says, Maves v'chaim biyat lashayim. That life and death is in, is in the mouth. Now, there's a million different ways to slice this Pasuk. The, the most classic is they say, like, loose lips sink ships, right? Like, you're talking and you're just giving out information. Now, as an extension of that, I would say that's where we almost have, like, exclusively, like, when people are talking about um, the halachas of speech, you hear people talking about, like, Lashon Hara and Rechilas and Einas Devarim, like, you have to be careful when you're talking about people because you could, like, hurt people and you could say something and you could destroy somebody's reputation, you could destroy somebody's business. And that is like the first part, I think, where most people are aware of speech. Meaning, when we talk about speech, like, be careful about how you talk, most people, what does that mean to you? It means, don't speak Lashonara, and don't just say random things. Make sure you're not hurting somebody, right? If you have a Shaila, ask a Shaila. And I think it's very clear to everybody that, like, you know, bottom line is, loose lips sink ships. It's a tongue twister. We're not going to say it more than once. And when you live your life in a certain way where you're, cognizant of the fact that your mouth has the ability to build, it has the ability to destroy. You can talk and you can make a shadach, or you could talk and you could destroy somebody's shadach. That concept is like the, I'm going to call it the beer basic, like the level one of understanding when it comes to this midah. Because many people, I think, I'll talk for myself, we struggle with, with just this. Like just this alone is hard enough for us to get through on a daily basis. Like what? I have to be careful with Hilchas Hashanara and how I talk to my parents and how I deal with all these things. That is, I think, the sole focus in most of our schools and our seminaries and in our homes. We talk about that concept. That speech is something to be aware of. Fine. That's like sort of like level one, I would say. The second level is something that we've heard of before. Um, it's something that maybe like takes a little bit more like Ion. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that tonight. I want to spend time on the fourth one, the thing that's a Chiddush, okay? Um, and, and the number two is that speech, in a certain sense, is really the essence of a thing. We're familiar that there's a Mishnah that says, Ba'asara ma'amarais Hashem created the world in ten utterances. What does it mean in ten utterances? Hashem doesn't speak. Right? We say, Hashem, Hashem. When you think of the concept of, of, of Hashem, Hashem is not a mouth, even though you have all these concepts of, of expression, of speech. So this is sort of like a deeper level here. And this, this concept of a mimer, of a speech, or vayoymer, or vayedaber, is essentially a manifestation of a ratzay. I think this is an important piece over here. 
is that what it means that Hashem created the world in a mimer, in a speech, means that Hashem willed something and then it became into existence. So what does that mean? It means that the concept of allowing something to be spoken is the idea of taking something from the abstract and making it into the practical. Like it's, it's here now. Right? Like, we're familiar, we say the words, Baruch HaTashem, Elikinu, Melech Elam, right? So what's the difference between Hashem and Elikinu? And we all know that there's like a million different like ways of talking about Hashem. But the answer is, is that there's the abstract aspects of Hashem, and then there's the like present part of Hashem. The thing that we see and we feel. We feel this table, this is Elikinu. Hashem is Hashem. You bring a, a taida, you bring a carbon, la Hashem. You bring it to like, not the here and the now, you bring it to the abstract. When, it, when we say that Hashem created something, He created a world with a mimer, with a speech, with a saying, with an utterance, what we're saying is that something came to be from the abstract. And then Hashem turned to Adam and He spoke to him, meaning there was like a revelation to Adam. And Hashem said to him, go ahead and call, speak to each animal and give it a name. Right, you're familiar with this medrash, right? And the medrash says that he went ahead and he saw um, an elephant and he called it a peel because it looks like a like a pay and a yud and a lamed, right, with its trunk. And then he saw a dog and he said, "Oh, a dog is 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 a kelev because it's kelev. It's as if it has a heart, as if it's like your best friend." And then Hashem said, "And what about you?" And he said, "My name is going to be Adam. Why? Because I'm Afram and Ahadama. See, even though I can receive, I can, I can, I can attain such great heights, I want to remind myself every." Every time I look in the mirror that I am still from the ground and if I don't go up, I'm going to always be going down. There was a chachma that was being established here where Adam Harishan and Hashem, in their own ways, were like expressing the essence of a being. So when we say that the world was created through an utterance, it means that what? That Hashem said something and the creation is almost as if He said it. Think about it like this. If I would tell you that you should close your eyes. For just a minute. And I'd say to you, think of, not a movie plot, a plot for a school play. Okay? And in this school play, you're going to be the, the, the one who's going to be like the writer. Now go ahead and do that. Like, close your eyes. So you'd have to like, picture there's a person, and the person goes to school, and they end in school, and they have a conflict with their friend. Whatever drama you've been through in your life. You could, you could make this into your school play. Right? And then you'd go ahead and somebody would say to you, okay, now what did you come out with? What did you do over this last hour that you were daydreaming? You'd say, well... Here's what it looks like, right? You would express it, and then that expression would become like those thoughts and putting it all together. That's what that is. That's the the actualization of what was going on inside your mind. So therefore, there's like the thought aspect, which is like the inner workings, and then there's the expression of what it is. Language, what we learn from Chazal is that language has an essence, the essence of a dog is that it is kelev, as if it has a heart. The essence of, of, of Adam is that he is somebody who comes from the ground. And if he doesn't grow, he's always going to be somebody that, you're just nothing, you're just like from the ground. You're nobody. But you could also become B'Tselem Aleichem. It's that struggle that we all deal with on a daily basis. So step number two of speech is that speech is an expression of an essence. It's taking an internal nakshava. And it's sort of like bringing it to the forefront. Is this too deep? Or yeah, we're good? Okay, fine. Good. Okay? So that's number two. That's step number two. Is that what it is? Is that it's... Okay. No, step number three is that there are various... I'm going to call them concepts. 
but I'll use the most simple one, which is the concept of a nether. So you're all familiar with the concept of a nether, somebody makes a nether, right? So it's brought down in halacha. I just want to explain to you a little topic here, which may go over something but we're a little bit deep tonight, which is fine. We'll do this. So there's a concept in halacha, something called chanan. What is chanan? Anybody know what that means? Chanan? No? Okay. So what is chanan? No? Yeah? You know what it means? It's a store in Israel. <laughs> okay, so that is not what I'm referring to. I never knew that. What does the store in Israel sell? Uh, school supplies. <laughs> okay, so Hanan is a school supply store in Israel that is not sponsoring this video. Uh, <laughs> but maybe they want it for next time. But I'm going to explain to you what the real concept of Hanan means. So when your husband comes home from Kailan, he starts talking to you about Hanan, he's not talking about his friend named Hanan. Unless he is. Then it's fine. Then he's talking to you about his friend named Hanan. But what Hanan means, it stands for Chaticha Nasa Nabila. Which means that when you have certain mixtures, for example, you're familiar with Batul Bashishim, right? Where things can become one in 60, right? But now, let's say, for example, I take a drop of milk and I put it into this mug over here, this, uh, very nice mug, and I put in a drop of milk. Does the entire drop, does the entire cup of milk, I have iced tea in here right now, does this entire thing now become milchiks? Meaning, if this now entire mug now falls into chalent, do I have to calculate 60 against the entirety of the mug? Or since there was only, let's say, one ounce out of eight ounces in here, I only have to calculate that one ounce, but the rest of it is not. So the answer is, drum roll please, you don't, don't actually do it. The real answer is that I only have to calculate based on that one ounce. The reason is because the rest of the iced tea is still iced tea. However, if I have or bachalav, like a mixture, then the entirety of that entire mixture takes on like a new entity called Chaticha Nasa Nevela. This entire thing now becomes trace. That's how it works. Okay? And now if this falls into something else, you have to actually calculate based on that. That is the concept of Kol Chanana. Why am I telling this to you? Because we know in Halacha, just like if somebody shechs an animal and the animal is now officially treif, the entirety of the animal is treif. But you can't take the leg of a treif animal and say, well, the leg, I, I, like, uh, I like the leg and therefore it's kosher. It doesn't work that way. The entire thing is treif. When it comes to speech... Specifically, when it comes to like nedarim or nedaves, when somebody says, "I make a neder that I will not do this," or "I make a neder that I will bring a certain carbon," Chazal say that that utterance, that speech, is now binding, which means it's as if this animal is now really trafe. Why is it trafe? Because you took a shotgun and you shot off its head. Therefore, the animal is now a trafe and it's dead. The same thing applies when somebody speaks. When a person speaks and they promise something or they say something, it actually creates a reality on the ground that this that I said is true. It's like locked in as if whatever it is. Like I make a nether now that I will not eat meat. It's as if I'm milchex because I just had like a whatever cheese, you know, that... Ah, so the Gemara talks about, there's a whole Gemara called Nidaram, right? Which talks about exactly what that means. But assuming somebody goes through the steps and actually makes a nether, yes, it is 100% binding. As, now, if they want to break that, then they have to go and do Ataras Nadarim. They have to ask a bezdin. A woman's husband could be made for her nether, etc., etc. There's a whole sugya over here. But where does the sugya start? Like, where does the pasuk start? Where does the halacha start? It starts from the concept that words are binding to the level of an actual action that happened. If I say that this thing is usher to me, I will not eat milk. Milk is now usher to you as if you're not, as if you're flesh We don't think of it like that. We think 
I said it. I didn't say it. It doesn't make a difference. I did. No. Utterances, words matter. And words don't just matter in terms of like hurting people or having an effect on people. Words matter in the sense that words actually bind. When you say something, it's so step number one is it could hurt somebody, it could ruin somebody's life. Step number two, we said that's the essence of what it is, right? In, in the Hebrew language and in other languages, when we talk about something, you're expressing an inner thought. And step number three is that when you say something, it actually matters. It binds you to something. I, I promise this, I will not do this, I will do that. That is something that matters. And if it doesn't matter, then you're breaking your word. It's almost the same thing as if somebody takes a, a piece of milk for or milk or cheese, whatever, and they eat it when they're flayshakes. It's the same thing as if you break your nether. Yeah, is that concept good? Okay. You got Hanan? Good. Almost ready for smicha. Okay. Now, on to the next thing. Not from me, by the way, but just from whoever. Okay. Now, step number, step number four. Okay. So step number four is, is I think the piece that is probably, um, the most, Complex of all of them. We need a lot of see after this in order to like sort of like get this out there. Okay, so most of us, and this is really the safer that we're learning. This is I, I, he touches on this a little bit, and I'm sort of going to extrapolate this based on my own uh, my own musings. Let's call them okay to sort of extrapolate this idea. What is speech? So to a large degree, okay, we spoke about how speech is a an, an, an actualization or an expression. An inner thought, right? I think something and then I and then I say it. But when we talk about mastering speech, like what does it mean to master speech? To be somebody who like this mida, I got this mida figured out. So most people say I talk nicely, I don't speak lashon hara. We're way past that. Let's talk about like what it means like really, really master speech. To really master speech, think about what it means to not master speech. So this is my thought. I've been thinking about this for a long time. And on my phone, I actually have an app where I keep like my thoughts. When like I think of something that's like a chiddush, I like I write it down and have like a whole long laundry list of those things. Okay. So this was like a chiddush that like I, I thought of probably two or three years ago. And like I think it, it brings it out over here so so truly. You ever have a conversation with somebody? Let's do this as a as a little bit more interactive. Okay. I want you to think of. Close your eyes for a second if you feel comfortable doing that. If not, you can keep it open. Close your eyes for a second and think of the word Eged, like Eged bus. Okay? So, so think of like, think, where, where does it bring you? Think about it. Where does it bring you? It brings you to seminary, Eretzistral, a guest by somebody's house. What? Arabs, somebody throwing rocks. You saw something in the news, maybe. Right? Right? Why? Because the, the word association in your brain, it tricks the story, right? It's like when you're having a conversation with somebody, Women master at this, right? When you start talking to somebody, you start talking about seminary. So what do they automatically do? They go, oh yeah, when I was in seminary, right? right? And then you start talking about like vacation. Like, when I was on vacation, because the way that our brains are programmed to work is that it, 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 it flits by association. It jumps based on the association of the words or the stories that we're hearing, right? And like, I don't want to get into the science of it because I don't know it, but the, the basic is that what happens is, is that because we heard the word Eged, because we heard the word vacation, because we heard the word whatever, a certain name, a certain teacher, a certain whatever, what happens is, is that our brains get there. And therefore, nine out of ten times, the words that come out of our mouth are words that almost subconsciously we didn't even really like think about. It just happened. So... In most of our conversation, if you think about it, you start talking to somebody, and then the person's like, bada boom, bada boom. It's almost like a ping pong match. But at a certain point within that ping pong match, most people don't even realize that they're playing ping pong. They think, wow, we just had a great conversation. You had a great conversation, but 99% of it was actually subconscious. 
You didn't actually go through the thoughts of thinking like, you know what I want to tell this girl today? I want to tell her about the time I was in seminary and I missed my egghead bus. No, you didn't do that, right? She's telling you a story. Your brain went there and you're like, I was once walking for the bus and I missed the egghead bus. You just like blurted it out. Why do you blurt it out? Because in your brain, association to the word time that the driver slammed the door and drove off without you and you were stuck there for six hours waiting for the next Agad bus. So Agad bus in your brain that you need to work through with your therapist. That is what goes on in our brain. You didn't come into the office today thinking, you know what chachma I have to dispel to, the, to, my, to my Talmidim over here? It's about how I once w- went through this trial and I overcame it. No. You just said it because you said it. Because it was just something that was tripping your brain. Somebody would have said something about Cheerios. You would have said, and when I was two years old, my mother bought me Cheerios. Because that's what happened in your life. Right? Or somebody once choked on Cheerios. because Whatever the story is. The point is, is that when we talk, what talking is supposed to be, if you think about mastering talking, it's that you're not reactionary within your speech. That your speech is actually an actualization of a thought that you worked through. Like, I thought this through, and I'm sharing with you Chachma. And this is, I think, the essence of speech, because we know that of all the four levels of creation, the highest Medaber is not somebody able to... Like, over here, we have... I always say, like, the difference between living here and living in Brooklyn is even the birds are nicer. Like, you have, like, the pigeons that look like they're going to, like, you know, kill you. Like, here, like, even the birds are, like, beautiful. The red, blue, look really cool. Right? You stand outside in the evening... And you hear the birds even chirping to each other, right? They chirp to each other, right? What are they doing? They're communicating. The concept of being a medaber is that you're not a bird. You're not just sitting there parroting to somebody else. You're not just mirroring somebody else. You're not just mimicking somebody else. And you're not just playing ping pong with somebody else through conversation. That's not the chachma of a medaber. A medaber is a person who had thought through their thoughts well enough to now articulate either a thought, a question, a statement on its own. When you do that, you're now actualizing growth and building. See, the concept of being a medaber is that a, 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 a person who's able to like bounce things with somebody else, there's no chachma to it. You're not building anything. But if I say to you, like, let's critically analyze this statement. Like, let's critically analyze the Eged bus system. Like, from scratch. Forget the fact that you missed that bus. Because that bus being missed was your experience 28 years ago. Nobody cares. That may not be the bus system today of Eged. But if we're going to, like, try to get the data on Eged, if we're going to, like, really start communicating in things that we're uncomfortable with, and that we're not just, like, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. I have to, like, actually ask you for more information, or more information, and more data, and, like, start gleaning that data, and start analyzing that data, and then expressing the outcome of that data, that's Chachma, and that's Dibor. Like, I'm speaking through now, like, after critically analyzing Eged, I've come to the conclusion that they are, they get a B- minus for service, but an A- plus for efficiency, and it, because now you're talking like, like a smart person. The concept of being a Medaber is that we take the time to actually think through your thoughts, to the point where you're saying something that actually is like loaded with chachma. And if that's not what you're doing, if you're just chirping or you're just saying something, so then that's not chachma. And therefore, since it's not chachma, there's no place in Dibor. 
It's not just because it's Lashon Hara, Rechilas, or whatever. It's that it just does not have a place. Now, obviously, we're humans, so we all the time just chit-chat and play ping-pong conversations with people because that's what we do. But a person who wants to master what it means to be a Medaver is a person who actually masters what it means to be a Chacham. So that your speech is actually something that's building and like it actually like means something. There's a famous story, I don't know if I have all the details correct, but I hope I have enough of it correct, that when Rebchaim Kanievsky was read, he was the stipler's son, right? And he, when he was read to Rebbe Yashiv, so the story goes that even from when Rebchaim was younger, he was known that he, he learned very quickly. He had like his own mahalach of learning, he would just learn very, very quickly. It was very different than like the regular way in yeshivas that they learn very analytically and very in-depth. And there was a few people who were concerned about him, one of them being the stipler. Now the stipler, in the house of the stipler and of Chaim, the ultimate word, like the final word, was always the chazanish. So they would go to the chazanish and ask him whatever it was, and he would make decisions. So the stipler, when Chaim was younger, he went to the chazanish and he asked, tell me about my son. You know, Reb Chaim. Should I be concerned? Should I not be concerned? And the Chazanish spoke to Reb Chaim, and he said, no, there's no reason to be concerned. He's good. He's great. He'll be fine. Years later, when the Shidduch was read between Reb Chaim and Batsheva Eliashev, Reb Eliashev's daughter, what had happened was Reb Eliashev had heard about this guy named Reb Chaim Kanievsky, who was obviously much younger than Reb Eliashev, but he heard he's a genius, very smart, but he's very different in terms of like how he learns and how he analyzes things. So he was a little bit concerned. So the story goes that Rav Yashif got into got into a bus and he took a bus from Eged bus, yeah, he took an Eged bus from Yushalayim to Bnei Brak and he got off and he speak to the stapler. And when he came to speak to the stapler, he came in and there was like an hour between the time that he got off the bus and he needed to get back on the bus to Yushalayim. And the story goes, I remember reading this, it's a nuance in the I think there's a lot of chachma to this story. He came in and he sat down and he sat there for like 45, 50 minutes. He didn't say anything. There was like no conversation going. And then he like looked at his watch, was like, okay, I have to get going back to the bus. And he turned and he said, he's okay? Like, anything to be concerned about? And the stipers basically said, no, you have nothing to be concerned about. Like we spoke to the chazanish and he's good. He said, Seder, mazel tov. And then he got back on the bus and he left. Now, why is that story such a monumental story? I'll tell you why, right? Because I think if it was me or you, or most of us, I'll talk for myself, I don't talk for you, okay? <laughs> for many reasons, I don't talk for just myself, okay? Is most of if you were sitting in the room with a stipler, right? You would ask you a question on this, on that, on a bracha, whatever, right? Why? Because our default is, this is what you say when you're sitting with a gadol. This is what you say. Rivli Yashev was like, well, one second. Why did I come here? I came here for one reason. To discover what is the story with this Bachar. Is he going to be a good husband? Is he somebody who has like the, or the right thought process? Like, am I getting a good shidduch? Yeah? Then that's the only question that I'm asking right now. I'm not here to start talking, and how's your kids? And how's the grandmother? I'm not here for that. I'm here for this. I'm talking this. The rest of the time, it's going to be quiet. And if you look at G'daylem, I've seen this many times, and it's like a no thing. You look at G'dayim very often, they come to weddings, and they come to things. A lot of times you see them sitting next to each other. They don't talk a lot. Why not? Not because they're like working on whatever. 
Because I'm not talking to you now just because I happen to bump into you. If I have something to say to you, I'll call you up. There's like a chachma to like my, like my expressions. There's a reason to say something, I'll say something. There's no reason to say something, I'm not just going to sit here and say something. Obviously we're not on that level. And chit-chat is fine. But like, if like once in our day there was a time that we critically analyzed something and we said it and it was a real expression, that's what it means to actually become a better speaker. Somebody who's thinking through and has something to actually articulate. Now why am I saying all of this? Because... Two or three things here, okay? Number one is, let's talk the beer basics. The beer basics is that I think many people struggle just going through our day, if you think about it. We have tefillah, learning, all these things. And think about what expression is. Expression is, there's an internal chachma that needs to come out into this world. So then when you're listening to a shir, or you're davening, or you're learning, essentially, what you're doing is at that moment, you're connecting to something which is an actualization of like, something that's like a nuclear, like, energy of thought on el chachma. And if it's Tyra, it's like chachma sashem. That's what's being expressed right now. But so many of us, because we're used to the ping pong, so what's going on in the background is just ping pong. What's happening, the, the, the share that's giving over, the, the message that's given over, the, the muster that's given over, and I don't mean it in a harsh way, whatever the message is, oftentimes becomes another ping pong. Because we're used to ping pong. We're used to conversations that are absolutely meaningless. Right? People, people, I see this all the time, people call me and it's like so sad. They struggle with Shabbos. What does it mean to struggle with Shabbos? They're always on their phones, they're texting, they're watching movies on Shabbos. And it's like, what? You're from girl. How are you struggling with this? The answer is, because very often, they're not used to real talk. They're not used to real connection. They're not used to real conversation. What's going on in their everyday life on a daily basis is, like, you come home, you have stress, you just zoom out. Why? Because a movie takes you out of this world. You're now like on some planet, like in the future or in the past or in the future and in the past. The whole thing makes absolutely no difference. It's like from somebody's mind an expression that came forth that is absolutely meaningless. But it's like such a distraction from our everyday lives. And we go there for a few minutes. We're like, wow, this is amazing. Now when it comes Shabbos and it comes Yantif, which is a time of being, not of creating. It's a time of just like talking to people, connecting with people. Like, I don't know how to do this. I'm so uncomfortable here. I need my phone. I need to just watch a movie. I need to just like WhatsApp random people. I just, I can't have a normal conversation because I'm uncomfortable with me being me and being here. This concept, I, I wish I was just talking about like one or two like people who are struggling. It's, it's like a reality. And we all do it to a degree. We need that escape and we go on to that escape. But what, what words are, it's like, it's like an existence within like here in the now. You know, I heard Repesach Kron, he spoke in, in our shul here. And he, he gave over a story that I thought was very profound. And it like shook me because it bothered me that I needed to hear the story. He said that there was a certain man that he needed to go for a... Uh, for a transplant. And when they were talking about it, um, I believe it was Rechatzko Levenstein, Rechatzko said, um, oh, I daven every day that I should not need a transplant. You heard the story, right? And he said, it was Rechatzko, yeah, I think it was, I think it was him, right? So he said, well, where do you daven? So he says, when I say the words, in benching, I think of it literally, that I shouldn't need a matana of basar vadam. I shouldn't need a transplant or a blood transfusion. That's what I think. 
Right? And I heard that story and I was like, wow. Now what struck me, what struck me is that I said those words a million times. And a million other words that we say a million times. But most of us just say the words and then we just move on with our lives. The concept of speech is that speech is real. It means something. And if it doesn't, we just go through whatever it is, the motion. So we come out and we're like, wow, that is so profound. The words that I'm saying like a hundred times a year or a thousand times a year, I didn't even know that that's what it meant. I'm, saying, I'm literally saying it anyways. Like if I just think about it, it would actually take on meaning. It would become a tila just by me saying it as opposed to me just like parroting or mimicking or just saying the words. That reality is something that is so hard to focus on. I want to take this to one more level here, just like maybe a little bit of a, of a depth the story my wife reminded me of, I think it's a, an incredible story, which I want to share with you. So the story goes, I need to open my phone for a second. Um, the story goes like this. There was a very famous person whose name is Mosab Hassan Yasuf. Who you never heard of. Now, who is he? He wrote a book called Son of Hamas. Are you familiar with that, right? Okay, now you know who he is. So he was, right, he was the son of, for those of you who don't know, um, he was the son of one of the Hamas founders, and he grew up hating Israel and wanting to kill Israel and destroy Israel. And he became um, an informant, and he went on to become like one of the biggest assets of the of the Shimbet in their fight against terror. Okay, they turned him. He was like an informant, and it was very detailed in, as to how they needed to go ahead and protect his cover because there were certain things that only he knew, and the Israelis had to make it as a after him. It was like a very complex, very very thick plot. You could go ahead, you could read it. It's called Son of Hamas. Beautiful, beautiful story. Now, why am I telling you the story? Because to a certain degree, if you think about it critically, right. This guy grew up in a culture that hated Jews. Every single message that he got was that the Jews are the worst people in the world. We got, you know, from the river to the sea, whatever will be free, right? That was like, that was how he grew up, right? And he never, ever, ever thought that his entire existence, everything he believed in and everything that he lived for was false. He never believed it until he says he was sitting in a prison and the prisoners in Israel the prisoners who were affiliated with Hamas thought that there were people amongst them who were collaborating with the Israelis. And what they did was they started torturing other prisoners to get them to admit that they were collaborating with Israel. The problem was, or whatever, was that most of them were not. And he was watching how these prisoners were torturing and killing their own fellow Palestinians to try to get them to admit to crimes that they didn't commit. And he, he says, I was sitting there in my cell thinking which happens very often to prisoners, by the way. They come out of prison, they're, all of a sudden they're very religious, right? They connect, get connected to these things. And he was like, I was thinking in my brain, like, Wait a, one minute, what's going on over here? I was tortured by the Israelis in a more humane way than my own brothers are torturing my other brothers. Something here is not stimming in my brain. I, he probably didn't think those words, but, <laughs> but something along those lines. Like, it's not clicking here. It doesn't make any sense. And then he started saying, one second, what is going on here within the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? To the point where he was able to see, let's call it see the light, and he changed over sides you know, to work with the Israelis. There's, there's such a prof- profound message here, which is that most of us, or many of us, or some of us, some people, let's say it like that, some people go through their lives without really thinking through what they're doing. Their, our entire existence is really when we're younger, it's really about obedience. You just better do this or 
there's going to be some sort of boogeyman. You're not going to get a good shidduch. Or, or, or you're going to go to Gehenim. Or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll get up whatever time you tell me. I'll say whatever words you tell me. I'll do whatever homework you tell me. Because when we're young, we treat children to be very obedient. As we get older, and as we learn to become a little bit more critical about things around us, we should come to the same actualization of, no, i got to get up early, and i got to dive in, and I have to say these words, and I have to have this meaning. But from a place where we got there on our own, almost like Bali Chuva, like, like understanding something and then being attracted to it and then going through it from the ground up. And if a person takes the time on anything in your life that you're already saying, any tefillah, any bakasha, any learning, anything, and you just recognize that what this is, is supposed to be an expression of chachma, and hopefully chachma Hashem, then wow, it just like unlocks every tefillah. Baruch, you're the makar habracha. We don't even think of Baruch, blessed. No, no, Baruch is not blessed. Baruch is you're the makar habracha. Ata. You, Hashem, who created the entire world, are the makar of all bracha. And by bringing you into my life, I'm going to see more bracha. Every time you say Baruch, Ata, Hashem, you think those three words. Elekeinu is the manifestation of Hashem in this world. The manifestation of this drink, Elekeinu, which came from Hashem. Melech Elam, you put everything into the entire world so that I could have this drink here today. Wow. Shahakal Nia Bidvare with your Dibor, with your expression. That's what you're saying every single time you make a racha. But we don't always feel that. We don't even connect with that. But if a person takes a minute, just a minute, to connect with any word that you're either saying or that you're hearing. And you recognize what it should be. It should be this. Then it automatically will elevate that thing. Because it's no longer just ping pong. You're no longer just throwing words back and forth with somebody else. You finally connect it to the fact that words are an expression. Not just of the essence of something. Not just something that's binding. Not just to something which is building. But it's actually something which is it's being like put onto the table here. And if you're able to connect to that with, for just a minute a day, you'll find how so much of your relationship with your davening, with the shiurim that you listen to, and even with your speech with somebody else, because you're going you're gonna to immediately be able to detect the difference between chachma and just stupidity. And when there's just stupidity, you're going to get bored of the stupidity. You're talking about that. That is just so stupid. Why would I even want to listen to that? It's just stupid. I don't want to hear that. Right? I don't want to turn on this radio because there's nothing here that's actually chachma. These, these expressions are not chachma. They're just people that are babbling, babbling, babbling. Fine. But unfortunately today, we live in a world where there are so many platforms that allow so many people to have a voice. And it sounds great. It's wonderful. Anybody could say whatever they want to say. But the problem is that within all that noise, 99% of it is not chachma. And it takes a pikeach, it takes a chacham to be able to determine which things are worthwhile for them to listen to and which things are smart for them to turn off. And if a person just understands what the essence, the essence of speech is, what dibor is, it just takes this entire meter to a totally new level. Shkayach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.